This is Big Problems, an advice podcast. I'm David Chen. And I'm Stephen Tobolowsky. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. If you're just tuning in for the first time, what we do here is we receive your emails at mail at bigproblemspodcast.com. That's the email address mail at bigproblemspodcast.com. And if you send a letter with a question to that address, you may get it answered by actor Stephen Tobolowsky, as well as me, David Chen. You can find more of our episodes at bigproblemspodcast.com. And just a few uh, guidelines. Please let us know whether or not we can use your name when you send us an email. Uh, or feel free to use a pseudonym. That also works well. Uh, and just know that we may edit your letter for clarity on the air. Uh, so please do not be offended if that happens. Finally, the other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, we are on iTunes. We've gotten a lot of uh, listeners from iTunes in recent days, and we would really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes uh, if you like the show, just because people look to those reviews to figure out whether or not they should listen. And uh, hopefully if you're listening, there's something you get out of this. So that's it. Let's get to today's letter, Stephen. Uh, this email comes in. It reads as follows. Quote, I've spent the last seven months living in New Zealand. My partner and I had originally talked about coming together, which is why I ended up here. He ended up not being able to come, however, due to visa issues and ended up getting a nice job in England anyways. Before we parted, I told him that I thought he should ask me to come with him, but he wouldn't. I think because he didn't want to push me in the other direction, he just refused to say he wanted me there in England. So I went to New Zealand, and he went to England, and we stayed in touch via email. That's an important point, because you lose a good deal of your ability to communicate precisely over the web. Now, he's a very spiritual dude, and believes in fate, and has always said he desires not to desire anything, which he uses as an excuse for not being able to admit or go after what he wants, in my opinion. He also has a penchant for writing in very grandiose and a somewhat eccentric matter, so there are many times when I didn't really understand what he was saying. Between that and him not really asking me a whole lot of questions or seeming very interested in asking questions of any nature, let alone in asking me to come to England, I started to build a lot of resentment towards him. I concede that I may have been a bit too proud and stubborn in not just going there myself, even though I've wanted to. So I finally snapped at him via email, writing some pretty nasty things, including calling him a high-minded spiritualist, to which he responded by saying that we were done. A day later, I apologized and admitted that I might have been too attached to the idea that he should invite me to England rather than assuming I would just go if I wanted to. I asked him if he would consider talking with me still because I do value his opinion. I haven't heard from him in almost two weeks, which is unusual. I think whatever happens, I have grown a lot, but I'd like your opinion as to whether or not it would be a good idea to go to England to see him anyways or leave it as is. How can I keep this kind of thing from happening in the future? Thanks a bunch for any advice you can give sincerely to fly or not to fly. That's the end of the email. Stephen, this question is about whether this person should go and fly to England to see their partner. Don't fly. Absolutely. Very simple. (laughs) No, no, absolutely. Don't fly. Podcast (laughs) over. No, no. Don't fly. Uh, I think it's very important that you two talk together first, that you communicate together first, but there's a lot of hurt that is still rippling here, not even under the surface. And I think a trip to England now would be premature and would only lead to more heartbreak. David, are you familiar with the Gottmans? Uh, I am. They are legendary relationship psychologists. Right. When I I hear this letter, I think of the Gottmans. The Gottmans talk about the way people interact with one another. And, And this was crucial in my life together with, with Anne, in finding a way to communicate things in which you don't get along with. And is your, and is your wife, for those who are... Anne is my wife, yep. yes, and she's still my wife. 
Thank goodness, partially because of the Gottmans. <laughs> so <laughs> what's, what, what key insight from the Gottmans have you gotten a lot of? They, they talk about the difference between a complaint and a criticism. And the way they define it is a complaint is when you try to bring up a kind of space in your relationship or something that's going that you don't like. And a criticism is when you use the term you and attack the person for what's going on. When you use the term you, like you did this to me, you, you promised that I would come visit you, you are attacking the very soul of your partner. And that is very hard to come back from. The Gottmans call this contempt. And, and they had a very interesting statistic as they said they could sit in a restaurant and listen to people talk for five minutes and they could tell if a relationship was going to be successful or not as to whether the couple engaged in contempt with one another, attacking the very soul of the other partner. They, they could figure out the future of the relationship by, by how much contempt the couple expressed via verbal cues. And if there was contempt, they would probably say, don't fly. W one of the things that happened in your letter, and I hear this all the time just on the movie set and people telling me about their lives, things like that, is the first thing that happened with you is that your feelings were hurt. You felt not valued in the relationship. But instead of expressing the hurt, you allowed the hurt to be covered with the anger and the resentment you felt for getting hurt, and that's what you addressed in no uncertain terms to your partner, which is why there's a rift. One of the things the Gottmans bring up is that men, when they hear contempt, they go silent. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly what's happening in your relationship, but your partner has gone silent. So that may be what's going on. So what I would suggest is you mentioned in your letter that you have apologized. That's good. That is primary. The first thing in any good relationship is saying, I'm sorry. You should say, I'm sorry. And then you should slowly try to build the trust long distance, which is very difficult. I know, David, you and I, we communicate all the time. Me and uh, Stephen have a long-distance relationship, and uh, yeah. it is incredibly challenging. <laughs> it's difficult. Everybody thinks because the internet is available that it is actually an excellent conduit for communication. Communicating on the internet via email is like walking on one of those rope bridges in the Himalayas. Every little tiny wind makes that that little rope bridge shake for your life. You must be very, very careful how you communicate online. It's difficult to hear humor. It's difficult to hear sarcasm. Everything seems like an insult. Be very, very careful. So to fly or not to fly, my advice, build the relationship from the ground up. Praise your partner. Don't call him a high-minded spiritualist again. <laughs> Don't do that. Let me just say, by the way, that if that is the worst insult you have lobbed at your partner, things might yeah. not be that bad. Yeah, that's pretty, that's I'm pretty sure good. I'm sure we've said things that are worse to our uh, significant other, Stephen. In, in fact, David, I, I, I'm always happy when Anne calls me a high-minded spiritual. <laughs> yeah, you, some, some people might take it as a compliment. <laughs> but uh, no, that being said, I mean, you clearly meant it as an insult. The person probably took it as an insult. Yes. Uh, I would say, from my perspective, I also agree with you, Stephen. I think this is a strict do-not-fly situation. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reasoning for that is because, uh, well, 
I, I think there's two criteria for whether or not one should engage in a long distance relationship. One of them is how strong the connection is between those two people and, mm-hmm. and how much fondness they have for each other and, and how aligned uh, they are as people. A second thing is uh, the promise of being able to be together one day in the near or even distant future. Uh, and based on this email alone, it doesn't sound like both of those things are in play right now. I mean, it doesn't sound as though there is this strong connection of, oh, wow, you guys can't wait to talk with each other and, and see each other and be with each other. Or definitely doesn't sound like there's any kind of promise of uh, you guys figuring out a way for your lives to intersect geographically anytime in the near future. So maybe he's not that into you. I mean, the fact that uh, he hasn't responded in two weeks and hasn't tried to uh, bridge the gap indicates to me that like that the level of importance of the relationship to him, again, extrapolating a lot based on this email, but that's kind of my gut reaction is uh, this, this is not a situation that's worth making a sacrifice for, let alone flying across the world to uh, to accommodate. Any thoughts on that, Stephen? It, it feels that way to me. W- one thing I would say is when, when you're dealing with a long-distance t- relationship, something that has worked for Anne and myself, and that is sharing something intimate online. And by intimate, I don't mean S-E-X, exclamation <laughs> point. I mean something... You mean S-E-X, no exclamation point. <laughs> No, I don't even know what that means. Neither do I. But I mean, I would share with Anne, like when I was in New York and she was in Los Angeles and we were apart for nine months, that I would share little special things that happened during the day that made me think of her, that made me miss her, and using that to say, and I wish you were here to have seen that with me, like when the first snowflakes fell in Central Park or when the, the first... Daisy started to bloom in Central Park. All these things are things Anne loves so much. Yours was a Central Park-based relationship. I was very close to the park. I had a good location. What can I say? <laughs> location, location, location. So, so share something intimate as a gift to the other person. That's a way you can kind of protect from the buffeting winds of this Himalayan rope bridge that is email communication for long-distance <laughs> relationships. Right. Uh, yeah, and, and that, there's definitely other ways to uh, to help with that as well. But I think in the, in the in the near future, do not fly. Work things out. See if there's something there. Not saying there's not, uh, but it doesn't feel like there's enough there right now to make a major life change. And uh, once you've decided to proceed uh, with the long distance relationship, there's definitely a lot of things you can do to uh, make it better. You know, Stephen, I, you probably have a long-distance relationship many times a year. You have to travel a lot, right? Have to travel a lot. What are some tactics, aside from the one you mentioned, that you use to, uh, to keep the relationship alive? Sharing intimate moments? Sharing, inti- sharing intimate moments, and not only the good moments, but, but the bad moments, too. Uh, sharing a moment where you, like when I was in New York on Broadway and I felt like I had a bad show. And and trying to write to Anne and ask what her advice would be uh, in terms of dealing with that or, or getting through that, uh, sharing the little disappointments I had and, and asking her advice. That's another way of reaching out and keeping the relationship intimate, which is what you want to do. 
I have uh, uh, friends of mine who are having in, in a long distance relationship, and they share not only the intimate and the issues and the happiness and excitement. They also just share the mundane. I, I think uh, <laughs> like they would put on FaceTime and just like wash dishes at the yeah. same time, you know, or do reading at the same time. Um, so it's it's really interesting to see. Like uh, I, I guess the the common theme here is find things to share with a person. Uh, yeah, and and that helps sustain you uh, during the downtimes. So, yeah. anyway, those are some thoughts from us about uh, what you should do in this situation with this long distance relationship. Do not fly, and once you uh, have built things up, then you can kind of reassess uh, this relationship's place in both of your lives. So that's going to do it for us today, Stephen. Uh, if you would like to send us an email uh, and potentially get it read on this show. Shoot it over to us at mail at bigproblemspodcast.com. That's mail at bigproblemspodcast.com. And uh, you can also find every episode of the show at bigproblemspodcast.com. Stephen Tobolowsky, uh, we have recently announced that uh, the world premiere of our film, The Primary Instinct, is going to be at the Seattle International Film Festival. If you're around at the end of May, go to sif.net and you can buy tickets to uh, a world premiere screening of the film that Stephen and I made together. Uh, And Stephen and I will both be there, and so we hope to see some of you guys there. That's about it for today. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week. We'll see you later. Adios.